while I'm preparing here for my message that Danny Miller, to those that haven't really been paying too much attention, is, of course, those... Uh, it, this guy is from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. That's why it sounds like he—it sounds like he's on a phone because he is, and that's pretty interesting. It, some churches would say that ain't right, but the fact is, God uses anybody anywhere, anytime. That's the problem, and if we get off our high horse, get humble, it'd be easy to figure that out. That'll be the nice thing is it. It's easy to figure that out if you let God do his thing. Because he can do it. It's very easy to do what God wants you to do. So tonight we want to just say that he is from PA and we want uh, we're glad to have him. All right. Amen. We'll just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He, he is our main, main uh, cult outreach guy. He's like an associate preacher here too, So, and he's the one that always, everybody knows, he gets to preaching on all them cult groups. Well, that's why. And if you don't like it, well, take it out. Hey, if you don't like what the postman brings, you don't get mad at the postman. You just go take it up with who sent the packet. Well, the fact is, the fact is, it goes like this. Look. All us preachers do, especially those that get the message hot off the press, what it is is we go, we get the delivery from God, and we bring it to you. We're just the postman. Now, if you don't like what we deliver, then oh well. You just got to take it up with the postman. You take it up with the, not the postman, but the one who sent the package. And that's God. And you don't like it, well, then take it up with him. And you'll have to get over it. All right. Now, as I get ready to pray, and then I'm going to sing my last song, because this... The song goes with my message in its own way, because it's needed. Tonight, like I said, I'm going to be preaching a very unique message tonight that's very needed. And Danny, when you read the scriptures, I want you up nice and close to that phone of yours, so you'll be nice, loud, and clear, because there are some people that wanted to hear this, and it's because of a question that I've been asked. And I'll explain it in a minute. The thing is, I want to get us ready with a chance to get in our Bibles and ready to know where we're going. Matthew 19, 3 through 12, and we're going to have Ruthie open us up with the Scripture when when she gets there, but that'll be after I'm done singing and everything, Ruth, that'll give you time to find it, okay? Matthew 19, Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 to 12. And then the title of my message is, it's going to be a long title, but that's all right. Is it lawful for a Christian to divorce on the grounds of abuse? So tonight, let us pray, and then I'm going to get into this last song tonight, and then we'll get into the message. Lord, this is a very hard message that no one has ever, that I know of, Lord, nobody has ever got up and preached this message. Nobody has ever got up and said, this is what your word has to say on this subject. Lord, that's probably because it's never come up until these last few years. 
But it is sad that this question had to come up, but it tells us, Lord, that we're nearing the end times. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, now as we approach this very unique subject, that those who are going to receive the discs and cassettes of this message, Lord, that, Lord, hopefully your word will answer their question. I don't want it to be me, Lord. Lord, I ask you to hide me behind the cross. Let them see and hear Jesus, not me, Lord. Let it be you and your word, Lord. Because, as I said in a care letter, Lord, that we're making for our packages that we send out to cult groups, if a person, if the Bible cannot answer all our questions, that means it's imperfect, Lord. And if your Bible is imperfect, that means you would be imperfect, and we know that is impossible. So, Lord, let your word answer the question tonight, Lord that has been posed, Lord, by some people. Their names will never be revealed, Lord, and you know that. But we do pray for those who have asked this question. Those that are going to receive this tape and that have asked me the questions, Lord, who have received the uh, CDs and have asked the questions, Lord, we ask you, Lord, that you would just answer the question for them. They know who they are, and Lord, you know who they are. Lord, we ask you to touch their situations right now. Protect them and keep them safe. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, we're going to take and sing a song, and then we're going to get into the Word tonight. He knows. 
knows each thought I think, he knows each word that I might say, and although there were times I stepped out of his will, I've never been out of his care. Yes, although there were times I stepped out of his will, I never been out of his care. Amen. And I thank Jesus for that. I thank him that no matter what happens, I'm never, ever out of his care. So tonight, now we're going to get Ruthie to read our scripture, Matthew 19, 3, verses 3, Matthew chapter 19. And everybody, you better have your Bible settle in tonight and forget the roast, because it's definitely going to end up as toast. And so settle in. You might as well accept it. Because we're going to first look at the question that everybody in Jesus mentions here, and the uh, Pharisees, they get their nose stuck up. Is it lawful to divorce under every cause? Now remember, the main topic we want to know is over abuse. Now everybody knows the answer to the part of this question. Every Christian will tell you, well, there's only one reason you should divorce. Everybody knows it's on uh, on, on, uh, adultery. But what else does the Bible say about divorce? There's a little more to it than that. So we're going to see what it all has to say. Of course, we know what the Pharisees said. Is it lawful to divorce for every cause? Well, abuse would be one of those causes. Let's find out. Matthew 19, Ruthie, we'll have you going to read 3 through 12. Matthew 19, 3 to 12. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Therefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement, and to put her away? He saith unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whoso marrieth her which is put away doth commit adultery. His disciples say unto him, If the case of the man be so with his wife, it is not good to marry. But he said unto them, All men cannot receive this saying, save they to whom it is given. For there are some eunuchs which were so born from their mother's womb, and there are some eunuchs which were made eunuchs of men, and there be eunuchs which have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He that is able to receive it, let him receive it. Honey, I think the, you should probably clarify what a eunuch is to some folks. Now behave, Ruthie. Quit trying to do my preaching for me. 
We were going to get there. Now, a eunuch, of course, is some a person, typically a man, but sometimes a woman, but a woman classified in this case, who has decided to keep herself chaste, but for God's sake would be a virgin. Okay, but a eunuch is a guy who has chosen to do the same. Something similar to the nuns, a nun, but a guy. But it's not a nun who goes worshiping Mary. All right. But now, do you notice he, a question was asked. Is it lawful to divorce for every cause? Now, back then, and for a long time, abuse of a wife was rare. Rare to non-existent. Okay? Rare to non-existent. But the fact is, it's getting more rampant. And doing so, the question has come up. This is here, is asked a question by, you notice, it's the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the dudes who's supposed to know the law. Now, first off, we need to understand one word here we're going to start up with. A Greek word called shmika. Shmika. A person who, had, who was a religious teacher who had authority were called shmika. And over and over, you remember what the uh, Pharisees came to Jesus and said, where do you get your authority? And Jesus asked them a question back, says, well, where did John get his authority? To baptize. That's talking about shmika. Okay? That authority is a God-given, God-ordained authority. Okay, when uh, remember when Moses was up on the mountain and, and God uh, uh, agreed with what uh, Moses' father-in-law said, said, and he says, "Go get you seventy men, and then you're going to lay your hands on them, and they and they'd receive the Spirit just like you got, and they could help teach the people." That was Shmika authority. So these Shmika rabbis were asking Jesus now a question about the law. They're trying to trap him. They're trying to trap him up, and he, they forget. How can you trap the Word of God with the Word of God? You can't. But they, they don't understand that he is the Word in flesh. So he, here's Jesus, and they come to him and say, Well, is it lawful to, to get rid of your wife for every cause? He says, No, not really. Only one reason. At least that he gave at that point. He said, except it be for fornication and adultery. And they go, well, okay. If that's the case then, why did God tell us if, 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 if it was from the beginning that God made a male and female, then why did God tell us to write her a bill of divorcement? And he, I want you to get this point because here's the where we jump off into this other subject. Because of the hardness of your hearts. Because of the hardness of the hearts of some men and or women, the question is now raised, if a person is a Christian who has a so-called Christian spouse whether man or female, male or female, that is abusing them, is it right for that Christian who's being abused to say, you're out of here? Well, 
because of the hardness of people's heart, God said, that's the reason you have to get is sometimes give up a mate. But originally it wasn't meant to be that way. But it's because of sin creeping in and the devil taking control through the means that he uses. Now people have to ask hard questions such as these. Now, the fact is, this is not a sermon that I enjoy preaching. I, this is something that I wish I hadn't even had to be brought up. I wish some other preacher would have had to do it and done it long ago and I could have had the answers. But no, I haven't heard any preachers do this. So it's time that somebody does. Now, first let's go first. Of course, we now know what Matthew had to say. And he said, because the hardness of your hearts and the disciples after they heard that, and they said, well, wait a minute. If that's the case, it's better not to even get married. And he says, you cannot receive this saying unless it's meant for you. Meaning, not everybody needs to know about divorce for adultery or, or abuse or any of the rest of that unless it's happening to you. There are some marriages that are just happy and go right along, but then there are some that got somebody in there who's getting the devil so filled into them that they're causing a problem in a marriage, and that's when you have to step up to the plate. And that's when you have to say, okay, it's time. Now, the recipe, let's go back with the recipe in the Bible. Hey, yes, uh, I know. What? Huh? Huh, preacher? Recipe? Yeah, in your Bible, there is the recipe for a happy home. Okay? Now, there's a recipe. And a happy marriage is right in here. And I want you to guys to, you, Ruth, you're going to grab a scripture. Danny, you're going to grab a scripture. And we're, we're going to, that's going to be back to back, so get ready. Okay. Danny, I'm going to give you Matthew. We're going to send you over to Ephesians, Danny. Ephesians chapter 5. Chapter 5, 21 to 33. Ephesians 5, 31 to 33. And Ruthie, we're sending you to Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19. Ephesians chapter 5, Danny. You're going to read Ephesians 5. 21, Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. Ephesians 5, 21 to 33. And then Ruthie will read us Colossians 3, verses 18, 19. Now I'll give you both a chance to get all your leaves together there. But Danny, if you already got yours, you can proceed. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of, of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy 
and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth, nourisheth it, and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery that I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that the reverence that she reverence her husband. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. And I can hear some people saying, oh, no, because they don't like the submission part. <laughs> That's for sure. But we got another scripture or two here before we uh, talk about them. See, I'm going gonna, I'm to put them all together and let you see what God's word has to say because God's word itself will take care of the job. Now, Danny, 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, chapter 3, 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be that outward adorning of plating the hair and of wearing of gold or of putting on of apparel, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible even the ornament of a meek and quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. And after this manner, in the old time, the holy woman also, who trusted in God, adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters ye are as long as you do well, are not afraid with any amazement. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto wife, as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Finally, be ye all of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful and courteous. Rendering evil for evil, or calling for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life in good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips 
that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and dig good. Let him seek peace and insult. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and the ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now, what is the recipe? First off, to the husbands. I'm going to start with them. You better believe it. Yes, men, a man is starting right at your hide. You're supposed to love your wife as Christ loves the church. And what does it go on to say? He loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, give yourself for your wife. Do you see what it's saying there? Husband, how many husbands will give of their self for their wife? Oh, well, they'll go to work, they say. Or whatever. But when it's time to come home, and the Cleveland Browns run getting their butts whipped, or whatever else, and the wife comes over, honey... Guess what happened today? Oh, shut up, woman! I'm watching the game! Come on. I find something wrong with that picture. That ain't giving yourself. That's telling your wife, get away from you. Hello. Sounds like you got more concern for the stupid Browns. Than, yeah, I guess you better have concern for the Browns with the way they've been getting their tails whipped. You need to go take some bandages over to them. That's what you need. You're so much in love with them, why don't you go marry them? Amen. It says, and then, hello, look over in First Peter. What did it say? Husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. If you can't just about predict what your wife is going to say or do at any given moment, you don't know your wife. You don't know your wife. Do I with them according to knowledge? And giving honor unto them as... Oh. oh, come on, preacher. You don't know my wife. Last night. She picked up the washer and threw it out the back door on her own. Full of water. Well, so what? <laughs> doesn't matter to me. I don't care if she lifts weights for a living. So what? She's a sumo wrestler, okay? So what? She's a, a, the world's uh, uh, heavyweight lifting champion. It don't mean nothing. So what? Her muscles are so big it looks like a horse's leg. Okay? I don't care. That has nothing to do with it. We're not talking about muscle. Ask me, I know. Technically, I could put up with pain and stuff that a woman won't. A woman is going to be more worried about her pains than they... Go ask any doctor. More women will complain about less pain than a man will. There are some that can endure it, but most of them can't. They just can't tolerate it as easy. Most women are designed in such a way that they're... they're Hello, that's God's design. 
They're delicate. Not because they're weak spiritually, physically, or mentally. It just happens to be that they are weaker. The weaker they, they have to be cared for. Now, a man who gets up there acting like Schwarzkopf, that ain't a man who loves his wife and gives himself for it. Now, on the other hand, it says, women, you're supposed to submit yourself to your own husband. You don't go and listen to somebody else's husband. you got to listen to your own. If you care more about the person down the street than you do what's going on in your own house, there's something wrong with you, too. Hello. God's recipe for a happy marriage and a happy home is that the husband loves his wife like Jesus gave himself for the church. He has to give of himself. And hello, women, you got to do just the same. You got to give yourself for each other. You've heard the saying, you got a 50 50 marriage. Excuse me, your marriage is headed for divorce court. I got a 50 50. We're 50 50 in it. You're headed to divorce court. Yes, you're headed. Excuse me, you don't believe that, okay? Danny, if you gave only 50% of your effort at the job, how long would you keep your job? Hello? If that's true for the workplace, then how do you expect to give 50% of yourself in a marriage and expect that marriage to stay? If the husband ain't given 100%, and the woman ain't giving 100%, you could guarantee, mark her down, that marriage is headed right to the divorce court. And hello, excuse me, there's a problem with that in the first place. You know why it's headed to divorce court? Well, during the day, while the hubby's off at work, the woman's sitting at home watching as her stomach churns, another devil, uh, Santa Barbara, general adultery, all of my devils. Hello? They're watching that nonsense. And then after that's done, then they turn on divorce court. Oh, you mean the, the hell and the sinless. Shameless, I should say. But, uh, but the whole point is, and then they watch Love Boat and all that nonsense. Excuse me, and then you wonder why they're going to divorce court. The hubby comes home, and he happens to be smiling because he had a good day at work. And she goes, what you been doing? Huh? Well, it's just as bad, though. But when the man comes home, what's he do? Sticks his head in the idiot box, and what's he watching? Football? Wrestling? Baseball? And all that other nonsense? Got his head stuck in the news watching people killing each other? And then you wonder why in the world he's over to... I mean, come on, even most sports come off it. You're telling me that football teaches anybody any kind of kindness? You're going to stand in a line, hunch down, head forward, aiming right for your enemy's head, your opponent. For what? To hold, to try to keep, get your little, that little stupid looking football down the field across a stupid line? Just so somebody in the uh, seats can sit there and scream at you after you get it across there? How dumb is that? But I go, uh, go down the street and say, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and they all think I'm crazy. Well, I'll tell you what, I got something to shout about at least. Amen. I got something worth shouting about. Hey, the Cleveland Browns ain't going to ain't want a Super Bowl in the Coons' age anyway, so no sense you standing out there shouting in the rain for them. Amen. I don't care if they got a touchdown. 
So what? That's only one out of the, what, 14,000 that they missed? Huh? Come on. <laughs> Amen. Come on, why not shout for Jesus? Hello. But now, we know what the recipe for the happy home is. Did you know? And, and yes, okay. I'm going to be bringing up a scripture that I didn't put in that recipe because most people take it too far, especially the men. But I want you to consider something tonight. Okay? That was the recipe for the good home, the happy home. But now, recipe for the downfall of the home. What is that? Well, let's take a look at a few verses. Proverbs 19.13, Ruthie. Proverbs 19.13. Proverbs 19.13. Danny, you're going to get Genesis 3 and 16. I know you're go- most people that have ever heard a preacher or anybody preach that when they hit Genesis 3.16, they're going to say, well, wait a minute, that's for a good marriage. Uh, hold on. But there's some people who twisted that verse. So, okay, Ruthie? A foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Come on, Danny, read the other one. The woman, he said, I would break my mouth to ply thy sorrow, and thy conception and sorrow. Thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Ooh. Now, what are those verses saying? How are those two verses the downfall of a home? Well, the first one, in Proverbs, it says, the son who is rebellious, dirty old buzzard, he hurts his family, and that's true. But do you notice the next part of that? The contentions of a woman. Or continual dropping, it's just like, hey, I'm going to tear down the house too. Look, women, when you're out there constantly nagging over every little, I mean, just, hello, come on. And men do this too. Either one that does this nonsense is crazy. And I'm going to point this out in a second because how do I point this out? Okay, I'll just go there anyway. Genesis 3.16. It says, And so thou shalt bring forth children to the woman. But he says, and to the man, he shall rule over you. Now, wait a minute. Hello. All the men get puffed up over that. But the problem is you have constantly been misinterpreting what that says. Because when you look at back at Genesis chapter 1, when man was given, told what to do with the animals, it says, and you shall have dominion over the animals, the beasts of the field, etc., uh, what is the difference between dominion and rule? We have taken the word rule and put something totally different in there that it should be. Dominion is in reference to someone like Hitler. Where you tell, just like when I tell my dog, I tell him when he goes out for park, I tell him when he eats, I tell him where we're going. If I want to go to the store, it's because I tell him what direction he goes, and if he doesn't, he gets corrected. That is dominion. Dominion is to take complete 100% control of everything that is done, right down to almost the thought process. Okay? That's dominion. That means to dominate. 
Now, rule means just what it says. A guideline. Men, you're not supposed to be over there in your house acting like a dictator. You are not Hitler. You're to make rules. You're make guidelines in the home. And a rule has... Now, remember, being in a dictatorship, there is no latitude horizontal, latitude movement. There is nothing there. You cannot move at all. It's one specific way, and that's the end of it. But when you place a rule, there's room to move. For example, when this rule that God gave this, uh, us of the Sabbath, he didn't say on the Sabbath, you have to sleep. He said, rest. You could be sitting reading your Bible and resting. You could watch the TV and rest. You'd be laying in your recliner and resting. Okay? I mean, you could be watching, uh, reclining in your recliner and watching Little House on the Prairie and relaxing, and that's resting. So there is room to move a little bit. A dictatorship says sleep, and that's the only thing you could do. See, so the problem is we have to understand the word rule. It means a set of guidelines. For example, if I tell Ruth, go pay the bills. That doesn't mean that she has to pay the electric bill before the water bill. As long as the electric and the water are both paid, she paid the bills. When I tell her you have to pay this bill first, this bill second, this bill third, that's domination. That's dictatorship. So, hello, men. It did not say dominate. It did not say dominion in Genesis 3.16. It said rule. Now, Contentions of the wife. See, men get this way too. Hello, you want to know how it's a downfall of the home? Hello, if the hubby and the wife don't like the way each other put the toilet paper on the roll, excuse me, you know what you do? You want to stop the contention? Go to the hardware store, buy an extra thing, put it on the cabinet and say, okay, wife, this is your roll. You put your toilet paper on there the way you want, and this one is mine, and I'll put mine on my way. Now, you stop all the arguments, okay? You've heard people, you've heard in some couples, I mean, this is how ridiculous it can get. They'll argue over what? Toothpaste. Toothpaste! Well, the wife likes to be nice and neat about it, so she, as she uses her toothpaste, she rolls it up from the bottom, the tube. But the husband grabs the tube and squashes it in the middle, Okay? And the wife gets all bent out of shape because of the way he does. Excuse me, wife. You got a problem with the way he does his toothpaste? Go out to the store, buy two tubes. You take and say, hubby, here's your tube. Let him do what he wants. If he wants to squash the snot out of it, then fine. That's so be it. And men, you leave your wife's tube alone, and if she wants to be nice and neat about it, then so be it. I mean, arguing over stupid toothpaste is totally ridiculous. Look, now, that's like around the house here for me and Ruth. I don't tell Ruth that she can't move around the house, but I have told her if I'm in the kitchen and I have a 
boiling pot that it's suggested, and the rule is stay out of the kitchen at least until I'm done with that pot. Why? Because it's a rule for safety. But I don't give a rat's butt what, where, 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 where she puts her um, a wheelchair. She parks it as long as she knows that it's out of my way and I won't run into it. Or if she, put, if she moves something, tell me where she moved it. But she don't have to keep everything in one specific spot all the time. That's a rule. Okay? But I don't sit there and say, Well, Ruth, this has got to stay right here and that's it. Yeah. Come off it. Get over it. Quit being such a baby. Amen. you got to have a little consideration for each other. Show a little love. Show a little concern. Show yourself as having some sort of care instead of being so nitpicky. Well, if you are a bunch of babies, you shouldn't have been married in the first place. Amen, amen, amen. Now, let's talk about divorce in the biblical law, okay? The biblical law. We're talking Old Testament stuff, okay? Now, Deuteronomy 24, 1-5, Ruthie. We want you to take that one, Deuteronomy 24, 1-5. to And Danny, I want you to look in Matthew 1 and 19, okay? Deuteronomy 4, 1-5, to and Matthew 1, 19. And I'm going to show you something very interesting here that most people have never seen. Matthew 24, 1-5, uh, uh, Deuteronomy 24, 1-5, Ruthie. And Danny, you're going to Matthew 1, 19. I actually call my husband Precious. No. He's more cuter than me, too. I decided to throw this in. Okay, here's the scripture. When a man hath taken a wife and married her, and it come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes, because he hath found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement, and give it in her hand, and send her out of his house. And when she's departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, and write her a bill of divorcement, and giveth it in her hand, and sendeth her out of his house. Or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife. After that she is defiled. For that is abomination before the Lord. Let me get my page here. Sorry about that. And, and, and thou shalt not cause the land to sin which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance. When a man hath taken a new wife, he shall not go out to war, neither shall he be charged with any business, but he shall be free at home one year, and shall cheer up his wife which he hath taken. I kind of like that. Okay, now, Danny, go ahead. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Okay. Now, Ruth, I want you to also jump over here to Deuteronomy 25. Deuteronomy 25. 11 and 12. Deuteronomy 25, 11 and 12. When men strive together one with another, and the wife of the one draweth near for to deliver her husband out of the hand of him that smiteth him, and putteth forth her hand, taketh him by the secrets, then thou shalt cut off her hand. Thine eye shall not pity her. Okay. Now let me explain to you guys a little bit about what this is saying. See, 
Now, although that verse doesn't actually have much to do with divorce, it does have to do with something else, okay? Okay, now, it says here in Deuteronomy 24, you see the actual provision of the law that Joseph was trying, that he was getting ready to consider in Matthew 1.19. What was that law? The law was, if you saw an uncleanness in a woman, now if it was straight out adultery, and the person had been caught in the act of adultery, you could just go straight over, report the person to the priest. If the man saw a woman committing adultery, you report it to the priest, they took the woman, you, the woman, and all the elders go outside the city, they stand her in the field, the accuser grabbed a stone and got to throw the first one, and then they all stoned her. Now, there was another provision in the law, Matthew, uh, Deuteronomy 24, that states that another option was, if you didn't want to stone the woman, you still liked her, but you, you felt sorry for her. The fact was, maybe she wasn't committing adultery, but you found something wrong in her character or whatnot. You could divorce her by simply doing it in a private way. By and you could send her out of your house, and then she could go and be someone else's wife because this had nothing to do with adultery. You notice in, Math in Deuteronomy... The point was, in Deuteronomy 25... 11 and 12, if you notice in Deuteronomy 25, Deuteronomy 25, 11, 12, this is talking about a whole new situation, but yet it points out that provision in the law for Deuteronomy chapter, chapter 24. It is talking about, like say, a woman becomes a leper. Her husband could get rid of her for that uncleanness. That ain't something that is a sin that is stonable. All he has to do is send her out of the camp. So he could divorce her on that ground. Well, in this case, Joseph, in Matthew one nineteen wanted to use that provision of the law get rid of Mary. So, what we find, though, in Deuteronomy 25, as an example of what I'm talking about, a woman who took, her husband was there, got in a fight with somebody else, she happens to come and see this other person smacking on her husband, so she reaches over to try to deliver her husband and get her husband out of the way of this guy who's beating up on her husband and she grabs either her husband or the attacker by the privates. We don't need to describe that for everybody. I think we're all intelligent to know what we're talking about. When it says the secrets, that's talk about the man's private parts. Bible says, cut her hand off. And thus, that would have been a... At that point, the husband could have said, Oh no, I don't want her because of that, because she's handless. Look, 
she ain't going to be a good wife to me, so he could have divorced her on that front too. So that's what Deuteronomy 24 is talking about. So we find that divorce in the law, there was a couple of options when a person, it wasn't just adultery. But Jesus said, really, the only reason you should put away your wife is adultery, but there are some other provisions in the law. So if you want to go back to the Old Testament law and gripe about, well, we're talking about here that, well, we're talking about he shouldn't have, uh, that you shouldn't divorce it by anything except for adultery. Well, there's other provisions. So what about abuse in the Bible? Okay, well, we're going to find out tonight. So, we need to take a look at the necessity of the law and the necessity of grace. See, everybody talks about the law in the church. Why is it that we are a New Testament church and we bring up law? Well, because the law is to be our schoolmaster. We're supposed to learn from it, but we're not required to live by it because it's only a schoolmaster. The fact is, we are imperfect and couldn't keep the whole law if we wanted to. Okay, Danny, I need you to read me Romans 7, 1 to 4. Romans 7, 1 to 4. Romans 7, 1 to 4. When you got it, go for it. Okay. All right. Know ye not, brethren, for I speak to them that know the law, how that the law hath dominion over a man as long as he liveth. For the woman which hath an husband is bound by the law to her husband so long as he liveth. But if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. So then, if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, she shall be called an, an adulteress. But if her husband be dead, she is free from the law, from that law. So that she is no adulteress, though she she be married to another man. Wherefore, my brethren, ye also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ, that ye should be married to another, even to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bring forth fruit unto God. For when we were in the flesh, the motions of sin which were by the law, work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death. But now we are delivered from the law that being dead, wherein we were held, that we should serve in newness in spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law, for I had not known lust, except the law had said, Thou shalt not covet. But sin, taking occasion by the commandment, wrought in me all manner of conspicuance, for without the law sin was dead, for I was alive without the law once, and when the commandment came sin, revived and I died, and the commandment which was 
ordained for life, I found to be unto death. For sin taking occasion by the commandment deceived me, and it slew me. Wherefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy, and just, and good. Now think about that. Now look, it's talking about a woman who, under the Old Testament law, that even if she had been put away, she was still bound to her husband until he died. The fact is, though, what I'm trying to say is we are married to a new bride. We are the bride of a new husband, Jesus. And that bride, that, that groom, I should say, has given us a new set of rules. Now, the fact is, without the Old Testament law, we wouldn't know what sin is. So, why do we have to go back to the Old Testament law? It's because for the questions of divorce, we have to know what the Old Testament had to say. Now, take a look at what's going on today. And when a preacher is asked by five different Christians, and I won't say whether they were male or females, five different people representing five different couples all asking the same question, is it right for a Christian who's supposed to be married to another Christian divorce on the base of abuse? Now, wait a minute. First off, the one who's doing the abusing, I have to say this right up front. I do not believe that a person who is abusing their spouse, I cannot believe they're saved. And if they are saved, they backslid so far. Wait a minute. The only reason you'd be abusing the other person is if you're drinking a bunch of nonsense or some reason, there's no call for abuse. Okay? So, anybody who chooses to do that nonsense, and don't tell me that nonsense, well, it, they were probably abused as a child. Shut your pie hole. I was abused as a kid, and you could ask my wife any time you want. We've been married for 12 years, and if we start arguing, I take off in the other direction. I have to make a choice. Either be violent or be loving. And I ain't choosing violence. Hello. You've got a choice to make. So don't tell me that nonsense. We are Now let's look at the last days. Well, Ruth, you can testify that in a second here. Because uh, you're going to read me. Second Timothy, Ruthie. I want you over Second Timothy three one to nine, and you can go ahead and testify to that. But in twelve years, now let me tell you, if I wanted to be abusive, it could have happened. But I'm going to tell you right now, there's no reason for anybody to be abusive. There's no reason for it. If a person is abusive, they got a problem. Now. So, but that proves we're in the last days because I want you to look at what it says about wicked people in the last days. 2 Timothy 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 1 to 9. Now take a look at this. This is going to hit some home here. 